0: Welcome to West Indies on 99.94, the home of cricket audio. I'm your co host, Marshall St. Patrick Hewitt from the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And with me as ever is my fellow co host, Santoki Nagilendron, also from the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. We are your home for West Indies content, and we'll be right here several times every week discussing them. You can find us in your favorite podcast places, on YouTube, or in our 99.94 app. Thanks for joining Cricket's conversation. Today, We're talking about the women's CPL. Santolki, take it away.
1: Yeah, Mash, we're here to break down the inaugural first ever women's Caribbean Premier League. The biggest party in sport finally came to the women's game and it was an eventful tournament. It only lasted uh, the space of four days in St. Kitts and Nevis, but it resulted in the Trimbago Knight Riders lifting the title on Sunday night at Warner Park. Now, that final, the narrative was always going to be there Hayley Matthews versus Deandra Dottin, and they did not disappoint both players scoring more than half of their team's respective runs. Hayley Matthews bagging wickets, but in the end, it was Deandra Dottin who got the last laugh, part of the victorious team and this sort of feeds into the whole saga about her retiring from international cricket her relations with Hayley Matthews so it added a spicy dynamic to the proceedings match but on the whole what did you make of the CPL women's tournament as a whole as a, as a short mini tournament were you entertained by it do you feel, think it showed us a lot about talent in the region I guess I harbour back
0: to some of the points you made about the 60 which was uh, a bit longer uh, than the Women's CPL. I I mean I'm going to make similar points here. I would I would hazard a guess that anybody who engaged with the the women's CPL matches may even have found them far more interesting than the men's one. Now that seems like a bit of a hyperbolic statement to make. But what I mean by that is we don't see women's cricket regularly regular sorry. We don't see women's cricket regularly enough to see it as like an afterthought if you see what i mean and we're all aware or we should all be aware um within like west indies media and fans etc cetera, etc cetera, across the region that we need more cricket and that the women need far more exposure they need far more top quality competitive games in order for our women's team at both uh under 19 and uh kind of Age group levels all the way through to the senior side to become more competitive on a world basis. It seems silly for West Indian fans and media to on one hand look at our senior side and say, Oh, why can't we be more competitive against Australia and England, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera, and then on the other hand, see that we don't play many games. So how can we be competitive? There's a reason why in 2016, when we won the World Cup, when we shocked Australia in the final. Uh, to twenty twenty two that our our ranking declined and our our quality output declined until our shock appearance in the semi finals in the world cup this year so on 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 that basis and in, on that note I had nothing but overwhelming positives with regards to the tournament in so much as just giving more game time i think there's some i think there's some room for improvement which we can talk about and it don't don't let's not try and get this twisted it wasn't a perfect tournament it wasn't it wasn't like only good but holistically on a was there more even more exposure for the women's game in the region 100 percent.
1: yeah i think you've you've hit the nail on the head there i think with the men's game a lot of our episodes have been about too much cricket over saturation of the men's game and in regards to the CPL, it's good to watch the men's game. It's exciting. But we've seen the players, every player for every franchise, we've seen them in numerous franchise tournaments across the world. Whereas the women's um tournament, you saw players we don't often get to see much, like a Leanne Kirby opening, smashing sixes. We don't often get to see that on television. Um so for me it was refreshing. I guess the one downfall for me is obviously it was a tournament of four games. One game was washed out. It would have been good to maybe have a reserve day or some sort of plan to kind of make sure all the games were happening because if you do only have four games, it only seems right that you do get to complete the four games just in fairness to the players um and obviously, the second big point is guy and the Amazon Warriors, we even hired a Jamaican captain Stefanie Taylor, and we still fumbled <laughs> couldn't even make the final this year, so that was a disappointment but um I guess it was it was good to see a blend of young players coming through. Um, And then the legends of the game, so DeAndre Dottie and Hayley Matthews, not so much Stefani Taylor because of of how Guyana performed, Anissa Mohammed coming up clutching the final as well. The legends sort of proving why they are legends of the game in the women's format and sort of showing the younger players, this is how we do it this is the performances that you need to reach our level. Um, So you'd imagine it was a great learning curve for the youngsters in that franchise. And it was also good to see, like, you know, uh, the final yesterday, Trimbego's men's team were there supporting it. So you felt that sort of unity. Um, So as you said, Mash, it wasn't a 100% perfect tournament, but I felt overall there were more enjoyable aspects to it than negative, critical aspects.
0: Yeah, and I think before before we continue, let's just give some flowers to Anissa Mohammed. Um, prior to that, it, it's almost like it was scripted for her. Prior to that final, a statement had been issued by Cricket West Indies saying that Anissa had asked for six months out of the game. Um, I mean, it it reads like maximum, but for all we know, that could be the minimum. Um, So six months out of the game to basically mentally, physically, emotionally just, I guess, find herself and recover. And she put in... She put in a women of the match performance or player of the match performance in the final. Uh, I think it was three for sixteen she took because at the time in the final against the Royals, it looked like the Roy- the Royals were favourites, having restricted um, T.K.R. to a hundred um, in the in the final. You would have banked on the Royals um, closing the game out, but Anissa, like you said, showed her big match experience um, to, to 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 help bowl T.K.R. to a victory. So we we definitely got to hand out some some flowers there and also like you said he, even Deandra um mm. came up big in the clutch when it mattered she came up huge in the clutch with 59 in the final to again you you don't defend the 100 if you don't make the 100 and Deandra's 59 is what ultimately set her side up uh to to get that 100 but let's talk a bit controversially santoki mm. <laughs> Santoki, I'm no body language expert. I'm no, I, I want to say this clearly. I'm not a body language expert, but, and maybe you and I are trying to find something that isn't there, but something looks off in the relationship between Haley and Deandra. And I'm happy to be set straight. I'm, I'm happy for one of them to contact us and say, you don't know what you're talking about. How dare you? And we'll publicly go on the next episode and say, you know what? Spoke to Haley. spoke to Deandra It's nonsense, they're cool, they're brethren But if, just looking at Body language, Santoki, something feels A bit off, and ever since <laughs> we, we Ever since we did the episode uh, Deconstructing the letter that Deandra, the, mic, the mic drop that Deandra Dutton Did in a letter to Cricket West Indies Am I, am I trying to see something that isn't there?
1: It's hard. It's hard to tell, you know, because, like you said, we could just be reading too much into it. And um, obviously, they were on opposing sides, so the body language would never be completely positive. But you're right; it did seem like. You know, there was something fostering there that what that wasn't there previously. Um, it's been interesting because Hayley Matthews has gone on, she recently went on the ICC official podcast to talk of good relations and no issues. But since that letter, we haven't heard anything from Deandra Dotton about. Um, <laughs> sure. So that con- that for me, that sort of tells a story as well, the fact that she's dropped this letter and hasn't said anything further. Whereas Hayley Matthews, who's in the position of being West Indies captain, has to sort of keep that PR up and kind of, smooth things out, not relay any problems um with her leadership style. She's almost had to come out and say, Yeah, there's nothing wrong. It's been harmonious. Um uh nothing but good luck to DeAndre Dotin." But you'd imagine there would definitely be some frostiness. And also with Anissa Mohammed, obviously um it's good for her. We've seen in cricket since the pandemic players you know like Ben Stokes have realized that they they can say enough is enough and take a break from the game when it's been taking a toll. Um so it's good for her to take that um refresh, refresh hopefully she'll come back stronger. But you can imagine from Hayley Matthews' point of view, she's thinking, oh, right, I've been captain. And now looking ahead to the T20 World Cup, two goats, Anissa Mohamed and DeAndre Dottin, I'm not going to be able to call on them. So you wonder what she must be thinking and how this has kind of affected her captaincy going forward, um, which will be something to think about, particularly when West Indies go on their next international assignment.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that because we must remember the the, the White Ferns, New Zealand, are coming to the region uh um, later this month, I believe To play West Indies And head coach Courtney Walsh And in fact, no, and Haley, sorry Like, what a baptism of fire, Santolki To be captain, have your best player I mean, Haley might say she's the best player But DeAndre Dottin's the world boss Have your best player drop a, a diss track And just bounce out of, <laughs> Bounce out of international duty Then you have one of your goats say Boy, I need a break And this is where I'm a tad critical, Santolki as much as the tournament was good for the kind of subsection underneath the goats to kind of share a locker room with the overseas stars like Hayley, uh, Hayley Jensen, Sune Luce, um, uh, it, uh, Fatima, uh, Fatima Sana, um, et cetera, Chloe Tryon, yeah. um, as, as good as it was for our kind of uh, players just underneath the top tier level to get that exposure. I would argue, Santoki, the West Indies women's team cannot. Well, we'll see versus New Zealand, but it's going to be hard to compete when you lose the world boss and then your spin goal as well.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think you can replace it, just the experience and know-how they bring. They can obviously try to put some players in to replace it, but it's going to be big shoes to fill. Um, especially at the same time as well. It's almost it's akin to West Indies losing their GOAT generation after the T20 World Cup in the men's format. Um, losing such mm. a big player. DeAndra Dottin, as you said, Hayley Matthews can rightly say like she probably she might be all the greatest at the moment. But DeAndra Dottin, you wouldn't want to see her, you'd want her in your side rather than not have her in your side. And it's gonna be a big blow um for her. So this is gonna be a massive test for Matthews leadership credentials seeing how she can sort of galvanise the side, bring the best out of players ahead of that White Ferns tournament uh, coming up at the end of the month. And yeah, it's going to be testing times. And as you said, Mash, it's hard to see sort of who the next world-class talent is. And that's partly because the tournament was so short. We didn't get to see much consistency. It's hard anywhere in T20 formats to have consistency over three, four games in a row. But when there is only when you're only playing three games in the tournament, you're never going to be perfect across those three games. So for me, going forward next year, I'd like to see a longer tournament. Maybe they play each other two, three times, um have about seven, eight games. Just so it allows the players to get that consistency and kind of get into a groove because it was very stop start. But yeah, I think it's gonna be a massive challenge for um Haley Matthews. But I guess in this tournament match, she didn't she sort of stood up though. She took wickets in uh, what was the score in the final? Uh, Barbados Royals. They scored, what did they? She scored more than half the runs, I think. They scored ninety. Yeah. She hit forty-six. <laughs> Yeah. 46 out of 90. The next highest score was a, was a Valiant 7 from Chloe Tryon. Equally, Deandra Dottin hit 59 of her team's 100. The next highest score was a 12. So this sort of shows you the level of quality we're dealing with here when you've got players who, who are almost hitting two-thirds of their size total.
0: <laughs> nah, should, why are we laughing? Let me, just say nah, that we should...
1: again. Let me just say that again. The next highest <laughs> score in the side was 7. <laughs> and she just... She batted more than half of the innings, which is just like, you just have to laugh because it's not even mocking anyone. It's more just showing the quality that these players have and how a step above they have been in West Indies region, that they can sort of pull this off effortlessly. And what a blow it is to have DeAndre dotting. So Haley Matthews, you can imagine she's playing at the moment that Stefani Taylor will show her levels in the upcoming tournaments because that's a world-class player she can draw on uh, for the next few games.
0: Imagine if Stefani Taylor dropped a a diss track as well,
1: though. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: mean, surely she won't, but just imagine, but, but do you know what? I want to, I want to touch on that point you made about what happened in the final, because on one hand, you have to look at it and go, that's why Deandra and Haley are goats, because Mm -hmm. when it mattered, they, they stood up and were counted whilst everybody else kind of fell to the wayside in their side. Um, uh, sorry in their in their team's totals but then there is a critique to be had here and it's a similar critique that we made in the in the women's 60. If you look at the top run scorers in the three game tournament obviously Guyana only managed to play two full games um these are this is in order across three games dot number one Matthews number two tryon number three Haley Jensen number four Kashana Joseph number five now those top four are all established internationals. So again, the argument should be, well, of course they're the top ones then because they're established internationals. Kishana Joseph, um, who I thought was very good, actually with bat and ball across the tournament. I wouldn't say she's established, but certainly she's played eight old uh, Sorry, eight ODIs for the West Indies women and three uh, T20s. So she's, she's someone who can possibly look at this and go, well, this tournament has benefited me. And then if you look at the uh, bowling, the top wicket-takers, Shakira Selman, Haley uh, number one, Haley Matthews number two, Anis Mohammed number three, Chanel Fraser number four, um, and uh, was it Shamila? Uh, Shamila Connell number five. Now my worry is this, Santoki, And uh, it feels harsh to say it, but both across the batting and the bowling, they're all, apart from Kishana, and even Kishana's an international, they're all established. Um, players at the international level. And I just, where where do we stand on that? Like, is it harsh to say that it would have been nice to see someone put their name in lights who we don't already know about? Or, or do we just say, nah, the wider tournament meant they got some exposure and that's all that
1: matters? It's hard to say, because you would have liked to see one breakthrough sort of player come through, like a player who we might not necessarily know who sort of, bag like two, three wickets in the innings or hit like a big a big innings and you're like, wow, okay, this is a young player who's baking food. But we didn't see much of that. But as I said earlier, I think it's just the nature of the tournament. If you've only got three games, it's, it's hard to, and obviously only three franchises as well. So the concentration of talented players is going to be, whereas in the men's it's spread out across six franchises, you're going to find it harder to bring like younger emerging players into your side. So for me, I think because of the nature of the tournament, it was always set up for those established players who are in their late 20s, early 30s international players, veterans, to kind of step up uh, in the nature of this tournament, which is why I'd like to see a longer tournament going forward, just because it will allow younger players to try and make a breakthrough in the side. But I think it's very hard to come in um, in this landscape as a young player and make a mark just because of the nature of the tournament and the experience that you have, the and Nisa knows what to do in and out in um in big game scenarios. She knows the pitches and all this stuff. If you're a young spinner, you're still finding your groove and you're not going to find your groove across three games, basically.
0: Yeah, that's a good argument. And actually, I, I should take that back because you did mention it in the uh, women's 60 and similar now in the women's CPL. Actually, Sherri-Ann Fraser possibly falls into that bracket. Although yeah. she's played for West Indies, she's not yet established for West Indies. Yeah. So maybe actually... We Should give Sherry, we should give Sherry anne some flowers and say she's somebody who's kind of made the step up, um, so to speak. But kind of bringing this one to a close, Santoki, let's just you've you've mentioned it all, um, already, uh, in one of your points earlier on that you would have liked to have seen the teams maybe play each other two or three times mm-hmm. just to give a bit more uh depth to the tournament. But Pete Russell, who's the uh CEO for um, uh, CPL, I just wonder if next year they might try and add another team now here's the problem the argument will be we don't have enough enough depth in talent to like if we add another team does it dilute the quality of the competition right and it probably does okay it probably would do obviously you could supplement that by maybe bringing in more international players but here's the problem CPL and even the 60 coincided with the 100 And in fairness, for all the people who criticise the 100, the one thing they can't criticise is the women's 100. Mm. Like, that is super successful and gets a lot of international players along. In fact, Hayley and DeAndre were playing in it before the CPL even started. So could we add a fourth team, whether that be like a Talawas um, or a Patriots or whoever it might be, right? Or would the quality be too low, even with more international players added on? Where, what do you reckon with that, Santel?
1: I think you could add a fourth team, but it would need to be part of like a three-year plan because, as you said, the first year, you'd have to imagine it would dilute the quality just because we don't have the, the talent pool of players across the region to sort of fill four franchises. But I think it would be a good start. But I think the problem with the logistics of CPL is because, like, for instance, this one, the women's one, it had to be finished by Sunday because... Everyone was moving on to another island after the St. Kitts leg. Yeah. So, the logistics makes it hard because you can't, if you're going to have it take place over seven, eight games, it will need to take place across two islands because it will need to follow the CPL media, admin, staff, where they're going. And now, if you're flying between two islands, that obviously adds airfare, logistics costs. So, I don't know whether CPL has the sort of funds or investments to be able to have a longer tournament. So next year, we could very well see it again played on one island across three, four days, uh, four games. And then that be it. And then we'll have to wait a few years to see it get longer. But I just think the the nature of the Caribbean, once again, as we've said with the men's game and the regional game, just the logistics means it's economically unviable for a lot of... um, for a lot of this to happen, a lot of travel to happen, whereas the 100, as you said, a perfect example of something that's sort of grown the women's game so much in England. Obviously, it's all in England. It's easy to get around the different towns and cities, so they don't have those logistical problems. But it'd be interesting to see long-term if the women's CPL can uh, take off. I think a a good thing the 100 did was the women's game in a lot of uh, a lot of double-headers, the women's game took the evening slot, the peak time slot, to yeah. sort of show its credibility. So it'd be interested to see in years to come if we see the women's game, a women's CPL game, take that seven o'clock evening slot. And I think that will really show how the game has grown. But I think for now, small steps. It's better than nothing this time last year. We didn't have a women's CPL. Now we've got one. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see how organically it grows. But it can only, as you've I've alluded to on previous pods, MASH, The game time alone, no matter how long it is, it can only benefit women's uh, game just because it's given them much-needed practice out on the pitch, uh, playing alongside different types of players and in a competitive environment as well. So I think the long-term vision, five, ten years, we could see it grow, but probably in the next two, three years, it'll probably retain a similar format as to what we've seen this year.
0: Yeah, excellently put. And just to, in case anybody disagrees with Santolki there, it is worth noting, and I think this is the final point we'll make, that... um, at the end of tournament, players like, um, I don't want to say press, conference, presentation, Haley Matthews was interviewed. And I thought she said something quite pertinent. I think she was interviewed by Alex Jordan. And I think Alex Jordan was asking like, Haley, what's your reflections on the, the CPL, et cetera. And Haley said, um, and so she was saying all the like classic PR stuff, like great tournament, great for the exposure. But she said, it's quite interesting that, TKR we bowled them out for 100 today and yet we couldn't chase that and she and had the, I'm, I'm paraphrasing but Hayley said something to the effect of I think that shows everyone just how much more room there is to develop for the women's game uh in the region now it wasn't a cuss out I don't think she meant it as a cuss out. I think it was just a hard cold sober statement that and maybe she was saying it in the light of defeat and maybe she was feeling a bit bummed out. But, I mean, her team had only just got to 90. But I think there was a deeper point in that in so much as, yeah, this is good, but we're going to need more of this if we're going to actually, if we're going to reach levels and reach a better form of cricket. So I guess anyone who's going to try and come at Santolki and say, no, nah, no, nah, there should be more teams. And no, nah, they should fly to other islands like the like the men's teams. I, I think Hayley's point was, we're not quite there yet. When We might not quite be there yet and the levels have to come before we start saying let's have six women's teams and so on and so forth.
1: I did think it was unusual to, considering there were no women's action before in the CPL, to have two different formats, the 60 and the CPL. They could have just combined it and had a longer 2020 tournament, um, I guess. But obviously, I guess they wanted to align the 60 across both formats. But that could be something that happens next year. We see the women not have a 60 tournament, but just have a longer T20 tournament to just add that consistency.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Either way, it'll be very interesting mm-hmm. to see. I, th- I think we can definitely say um, that for a first year, both the 60 and the women's CPL, I think we can call it, I don't know if we call it a resounding success, but we definitely call it successful first steps in expanding the game yeah. within the region. And we look forward to see how CPL try to now uh, try to develop that um, next year. But Santolkin, that's goodbye from me, is it? Goodbye from you.
1: Yes, goodbye from me. And as as we always say, me and Michelle aren't the authority on these matters. We're just offering our opinions. So if you agree with us, disagree with us, have any opinions as to how you think the women's CPL can improve next year or grow, or even your opinions on how you felt the tournament went this time, just hit us up at Carib Cricket on Twitter, Instagram, or we'll comment below on this video on 99.94. on YouTube or whatever audio platform you're listening to because we'd love to hear you, uh, your opinions and debate and engage for the benefit of West Indies cricket. But that's all from us and we'll catch you around on the other side guys.
0: Stay locked. Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can also download the 99.94 app from wherever you get your apps. If you'd like to follow us personally, Go to at Cricket on Twitter and Instagram. You can also head to www.caribancricketpodcast.com where you can find links to everything we do outside of 99.94. If you'd like to follow us personally, you can find Santolki at santolki89 and Machel at mashstpaddy. Remember, if you love cricket, then 99.94 is the home of Cricket Audio. Follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket.
2: Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month.